You're listening to Eat the Rich Podcast. thing for anyone who came out to the show so appreciated it was amazing oh yeah and it started out with nick playing that song which is pretty awesome which was pretty cool so thanks so much nick for letting us use your awesome song on our podcast um this is going to be the last episode Mm -hmm. of eat the rich podcast you guys yep thanks so much for tuning in you know through this episode and the last Whatever, how many we put out? Like 15, 20? We didn't put out like a gajillion. No. <laughs> but. And and also they're all, they all get dated pretty much the second they come out. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't really have much re- re-listenability. Isn't that really funny? <laughs> <laughs> well. There's a couple of good ones. There's a couple of ones, not good ones, but there's a couple of ones that you could re-listen to. For example, the Palestinian uh, Israeli yeah. conflict episode that's going to stay relevant probably Claire, forever. Yeah, that was a great episode. With Claire Jordan, that was a good one, and uh, totally the one with Adam was great. Adam Lawson. Yep, that was really funny. The Oscars one was probably our most popular and funny one, but um, uh, I don't know if you'll know those references. That's like, gonna even get now. that's that's a day. well now it's like who gives a shit? Yeah, with all oh, that's stuff. actually a great point. Yeah. Next year, the Oscars are going to be so self-serious. It's going to be unstomachable. Like, you won't be able to handle it. Oh, I know. It'll be just 100% movie stars making anti-Trump statements, like millionaires being self-righteous about politics. On that note, though, Donald Trump with Schumer and Pelosi? What about, how do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, no, but that's just hilarious. (laughs) I know, I was dying. That's just not even... I was telling my mom about it. I was like, I can't even express how much money I would pay to have like been a ben fly, fly on the wall. Oh my god! The only reason I even love that the most is because Paul Ryan and Chuck Schumer just being like, "Oh come on!" Like you like to or be Mitch in McConnell. There. Not Chuck Schumer. Not Chuck Schumer. I'm so sorry. Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Yeah, okay. yeah you're right. I was making sure that you weren't talking about something. That I didn't. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah, we're just. <laughs> grinding their teeth yeah seriously they probably went home and literally gnashed on their fists like and then ivanka charges in and changes the subject about something else and they're like why are we talking about a different thing right this has been a recurring theme throughout the podcast run like you reap what you fucking sow paul ryan and mitch screw you and mitch mcconnell like you deserve every misery that comes to you through this trump crisis like Anything Trump can do to screw you harder to the wall, like, is only going to bring me a small piece of joy. So whatever. He's um he only cares about himself. He definitely doesn't care about the Republican Party or like oh, any party. Oh my, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He just wouldn't have been able to run Democrat. That's I mean, it. you can tell that he did that because he was sitting in a room where people were having a conversation, and he was like, "I don't care. I don't know what we're talking about." And then yeah. he wanted to end the convo, so he goes, "Okay, three months." what yeah oh my god (laughs) that's literally what's going on and you can see how that's extremely dangerous but it's like 
at the same time, the only joy I can take away from what we're experiencing is every time that Paul Ryan gets needled by Trump is like the only happiness politically Dude, that I have. Ryan has been an immense failure so far, and it's been amazing. It, he's going to lose. I'm calling it now. He's going to lose 2018? in 2018. That'd be amazing. He's dead. He, they, I he's mean, the worst. We Nobody... talked about how... how insane it is that you can have a, a full majority and still uh yeah failed this hard but like for them to keep saying like the uh getting gorsuch in is or however it's yeah, pronounced is I their mean, big is like a big accomplishment it's like how that's how, all they've done how is that an accomplishment that that's well it was an accomplishment by being like masters of obstructionism which is all they really can do so then it then and i agree with you but that yeah. that means it's not trump's accomplishment yeah and they're not and those aren't accomplishments like being like either way it's not trump's though because yeah, that's what they cares. talk about i mean yeah they're just so like fucking honestly and i said this to you like i've really loved doing this podcast here's what i think will be great about how about like the episodes that we've done we did episodes during this moment in history that has been so fucking it's wild. True. Like, if we lived to be 60, we could, like, replay this and be like, what did that feel like? What were we thinking and feeling, like, for our grandkids? And then they'll turn on the podcast and it'll be like, ah! and that will be, like, the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing would be us just, like, like not, like, gnashing our teeth and, like, ripping our hair out. That's yeah. about it. I, uh... <laughs> It is it it's it's not getting worse though, which is which is good. Or yeah, is or it it's... Hurricane Irma? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, dude, that's taken. Have you seen? It's taken up the entire state. Did you see the comparison to the size of Irma to the size of Andrew? No, yeah, it's like twice, right? One point five times. It is nuts. It's is like it, is it multiple times bigger? I think it's like twice as big. Yeah. This the width of the just the size of the storm is like twice as big. It's the entire state. It look it literally yeah. looks like the path looks like somebody like drew in Florida intentionally. It's like yeah. so perfect. They were like, we're fucking done with Florida now. Yeah. And let me be honest, so am I. Honestly, but, and that, and also every time climate change is brought up, Florida is inevitably referenced. Dude, like, if say you're buying to property in Miami, I gotta wonder what you're thinking yeah. right now. Like, you must have a like you're you you must have a plan to try to sell it or something like in five years. Because like, if you're investing in property in in Miami for like the next like fifty years, I think you're making a mistake. But I'm not an investor. I'm not uh, qualified to advise people on that type of thing. But it's just a hunch. I want to. Wasn't there something about property value going down? I don't know. I didn't see that. I don't know. I might be wrong about that. Anyways, I felt like there was something like that. Yeah, Houston, that was a disaster. But then the thing in Houston was good call that they didn't evacuate because somebody tweeted out that like they were in the evacuation for, uh, I can't remember which hurricane they were saying, in 2005, maybe for Wilma or something. And, um, no. and so uh, they were like, showed a picture of the, highway that year and it was clogged when they evacuated and then showed it this year no cars but that highway was underwater like with the implication being that like if those cars are on the road when yeah. it hits like those people that could be a complete catastrophe and so a lot of people from florida have been saying like they're out of gas no, there's no gas yeah there's only two highways out of south florida heading north 
and like they're completely clogged. And so there's just not the infrastructure to facilitate six million people leaving the region. It's not there. So that's another thing climate change wise that people need to talk about is uh, as like adaptation is like, okay, I know that if we don't reverse, if we don't do something insanely technologically drastic, like find ways to reverse climate change in the next hundred years, like Florida's going to be underwater. We might, so, though. We might, we might. Well, we might because there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things you can do that aren't even that crazy. But, but one of the adaptation things we need to do is how do we like evacuate people yeah. better? Uh, yeah, coastlines like yeah. within 24 hours notice. But you know, our society's not di- not uh, set up to facilitate things like that. We set it up so that you can drop an atomic bomb in 60 seconds if you're the president. But we haven't set it up so you know Florida can evacuate through the three or four category f- four hurricanes they're going to be dealing with like you know a season now. I mean, seriously, they showed how it. Garner, it gained speed right before it hits because of the warm water, like oh. like unseasonably warm water. Oh. So it's like coming in, they're scared, and then it hits even warmer waters, water. and then it's just yeah. like that is nuts. And uh, they're like, it's go, it's one hundred percent global. Of warming. course, I saw I saw an insane um, I saw a video of when it hit St. Martin's, and that's when it was Category Five, and the winds were gusting up to like two twenty. And, um, which is like the strongest ever. Like, how, does not, that, how does anything withstand that? Uh, it just doesn't, right? People don't understand how delicate like our weather systems are. There's just like a few things that are structural about the planet that like when those things, uh, uh, move out of alignment, then like all of these things fall apart. Like make the planet uninhabitable, habitable. Like people don't understand how fragile it is. Yeah. And when we're like talking about like is there life out in the universe or whatever it's like there is one theory that the reason we haven't encountered life anywhere else is because the conditions that it takes to produce conscious self-aware life forms are so actually incredibly fragile and rare that that's why you don't find life anywhere else is because and we fucked it up i'm sorry i'm laughing because that's crazy anyway well not to mention the fact that going the speed of light should be impossible yeah so if that's true which i hope it's not but if it is true then aliens just couldn't even get here well in that matthew mcconaughey movie you can just go through the black hole yeah past the event horizon (laughs) dude i read up on the event horizon and it once you hit a black hole there's a point where it's like it's infinite density and I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? And so then you're Matthew McConaughey and you're in a mirror room in a fun house and you're just like knocking pushing, on the walls. Pushing books off the shelves, yeah. Yeah. And, and then turn you... into a shitty ghost, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that movie. <laughs> I love that movie until he was locked in the fifth dimension. That was the three hour mark. I was like, the fifth dimension <laughs> just looks like a bad fun house maze. You know what else is a terrible movie? Contact. Oh, is that with um, Elijah Wood? No, that's with um, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember it well enough. She like goes through like a parallel dimension and then is on a beach and like the alien is like her father because it's like a comforting uh, versus like this like weird image. Yeah. Uh, it like takes the form of her father and she talks to it and then she they send her back to the ship, but to humans it looks like she just dropped. And it's based on a book by Carl Sagan, and uh, it sucks. 
So That's bad. Really I hate that movie. The only movie I when people say contact, I get it confused with that comet movie where I think Elijah Woods in it, and then there's like a comet hits the earth and all the people die. Whatever. I don't know. That there one. was a lot of weird movies in the nineties. You know what's a great one? Stuff. AI. Not an AI fan. The no best ending in cinema history. Worst ending. There's like three endings. That movie. The is, ending is suddenly it goes black and it goes twenty thousand years later and you're like twenty what? Twenty thousand Scorsese? <laughs> How dare you? It like fades in. You're like it's really twenty thousand years. Dude, late. I cannot. And it's just like a some sort of sexy sleek robot like talking to Haley yeah. Joe Osment. Like no wonder that kid's just got like it's not doing anything. I, the anymore. first time I saw it, I I fell out of my chair i couldn't believe we were twenty thousand years dude it's so ridiculous that is a classic scorsese movie where you're like okay dude no that's spielberg was it spielberg ai oh yeah no it's spielberg yeah excuse me pardon me everyone at first i want to erase the record that i said it was scorsese of (laughs) course it was not but but actually spielberg and scorsese like classic spielberg they suffer from the same disease which is like the five ending disease yeah. Which is like the pretentious man director, like the go for the Oscar, like can't let it go, have to like keep the movie going for 20 extra minutes with these like totally overwrought like ending scenes. That movie is why I could not tolerate it because it was just like, all right, the tone by the end, you're like 20,000 years, these fucking Steve Jobs robots, like what? Yeah. It was bullshit. It was, oh, it was okay let me let me let me say it is i don't actually like it like literally i love it though because it's so (laughs) So, it's like the fist fight from they live where you're like why am i why do they have a 15 minute fist fight and they live (laughs) in the back alley and yet i love it (laughs) yeah that's it i get it okay but honestly like it's a toss-up for me between ai and bicentennial man it's a toss-up that's a totally two totally different movies <laughs> but to me they're like the same bicentennial like, man with robin williams yeah and at the end he's technically <laughs> he's called a human and he's like but and then he's the oldest human ever because he's like 200 years old yeah and it's like the civil rights thing where it's like how do we turn this white male robot into a give give him his humanity it's just in time for him to like die thing. of natural causes if I'm not mistaken. Why am I? Why do I remember that, that so well? That movie is so like the themes are so convoluted in that that it's like, am I watching a movie about like the Martin Luther King of robots, but he's white and he's like, and there's Robin no one Williams? else that he's speaking for. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like this weird movie where it's like the robots are oppressed. If we ever get to a point as a universe where like. Which I know we will as a society because, like, rich people are, like, insisting on this. I know there will be some sort of thing where it's, like, should people be able to marry AI? And should they be able to, like, are AI people? And, like, if you melt down a robot, like, are... You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, for sure. I'm going to record right now and say that, like, in AI, when they had the robots battle each other and they, like, rip their legs off and stuff, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, Did you see the council for... They're trying to not have... Elon Musk and all those people are like, don't make war robot machines for to do the fighting for and us. And you're like, dude, fuck you guys. Like, like you're, of course, like we shouldn't do that. But also, like we just shouldn't have you people in charge of our society. Then we wouldn't have to worry about ro- war robots. Yeah. Like, 
I that's nice, Elon Musk, that you're trying to stop war robots. But if you could stop yourself first, then maybe yeah. we'd have a chance to survive this century. <laughs> well, it, it, well, I yeah, we've talked about this so many times. We've, but like, this is like a recurring theme. But too. like, they could. You know what? It's it's so annoying because the whole Mars thing. Um, it's like. It, it, It'd be so much better to try and unify the planet, and he has the means to make that to like interconnect the planet, right? And then that would just end so many issues, issues, namely war. Which... Why doesn't he take on like he's taking on colonizing Mars as his thing? Mm. Why don't you take on demilitarizing borders? Like, why don't you do that? Like, why isn't that? But the dude's Is a it colonizer. Narcissism? Yeah, it must be just he's, he's a, a colonizer. Yeah. He's a colonialist, literally a self-admitted technological billionaire colonialist like that's what he is he's he he wants to be christopher Lum, christopher columbus and the monarch who funded christopher columbus he wants to be both and uh like dude <laughs> no he's not going to mars it's gonna be like no he's not it's gonna be like that jake gyllenhaal movie dude did you see that with ryan reynolds where they come back from, like, they're in space and they get, like, some sort of life form from Mars on their spaceship. No, it, was that good? Dude, that movie is pretty freaky. It's kind of like... I just wrote a, an entire article about standalone sci-fi movies and I didn't mention that or see it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's worth watching. Is it kind of disturbing and disgusting? Yeah, it is. But what other movie can you watch where Ryan Reynolds gets killed in the first 15 minutes? Well, you should see it for that reason alone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't name one. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. I guess if it's 15 minutes in. Though. I guess if they gave him his fee, they're like, well, we're going to keep you for at least 30. But he's dead in the first 15, which I appreciated. I mean, I'm down to see it. What's the name of the movie? Life. Yeah. It's called Life. It it's sounds like a BBC documentary. It's That's just about like a malicious like organism title. that like they bring it back from Mars. And it they're spreads like, across the globe. Yeah, no, no, no. It spreads all over the... Well, it grows in the spaceship because, like, some oh. accidents happen. It's like they have it in the International Space Station, and they're, like, going to do some tests on it. Uh. And then um, and then the, it grows, and then it becomes this thing where it's, like, killing everyone. It, like, goes inside their bodies. And then it becomes this thing where it's, like... Um, so you, ha- don't, you don't know who's, who, who's infected? No, because it kills people pretty immediately. It like oh, goes okay. and just like explodes their brain. But the thing is, is that and then it like slides through all the vents in the spaceship. The thing about it is that it's like um, the part where it gets kind of interesting is when they're like, okay, it's killed some people. It's gotten free from the lab. It's then they they imply that they have some sort of global protocol set up where like they anticipated that this type of thing would happen. And so if that happens on the space station, like they're supposed to just like destroy the whole space station or like launch everyone on like the wing of the space station into space just so the organism doesn't get back to Earth. Mm -hmm. And so there's like the last like 30 minutes of the movie is like a race to try to like keep the organism from making it to Earth, basically. So it's good. I don't that could totally happen, by the way. Like, who knows what was on Mars? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. No, Humans have never know. been there. Yeah, I know. I think some shit was on Mars. We can find dinosaurs on Mars or something. Have we brought stuff back from Mars? Have we, like, br- I don't know if we've... No, because we've only had the robots. We haven't brought anything there. back from Mars. I think that that thing can analyze stuff with its little yeah. utensils, but I don't think... But it hasn't found any organisms back. yet. 
It has to go down to where the water is. I think they're going to send it. Something needs to go to the caps. Like either the north or south caps where like there would be frozen stuff. What's crazy is that Mars has a smaller uh, or has, yeah, less gravity because it's like slightly smaller. So you would like, I could dunk on Mars. Yep. Which would be pretty cool. Weight Watchers on Mars. Yeah. You just go all the way to Mars. Dude, and check out this space you do your fact. Weigh-in. I learned a crazy space fact today. What? Saturn, a Saturn day is longer than a year, as in it turns slower Ooh. than it rotates the sun. Isn't that cool? What does that mean? Well, it's a gaseous planet, so there's nothing you can do on Saturn. It's just... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a cool little space fact. There's no, like, real cool thing. Although, I've always wondered what... If there could be some sort of weird gas life form that we could never fathom. And it's just a gas... Dude, you know what freaks me out is Jupiter's ice moon. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Europa, I think. Europa. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Totes, we need to check out Europa. What's up with it? They think that if you go there and get, there might be fossils on the um, on the surface from like things that got like shot out of the vent from like whatever's under. So you could like, without going underneath the ice, you could like study the fossils of the things that got like spit out from the ice. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. But we'd have to get to Jupiter's moon, which seems pretty uh, much like we're going to kill each other. I just think it's pretty much nuts that like people think you could actually terraform Mars or something before we should fix this planet. (laughs) Like there are a few people out there who say things like that. And I'm like, you're an idiot. I can't speak to you. There's the there's this like really glamorous concept. And it really is just like one sentence that if that if. Uh, that there that there's endless possibilities for answers that we don't even know the questions to right out in space I and agree that's with it that. and and it's impossible not to agree with it the problem is how vague that is and how much resources it yeah. takes to like to like you know take it seriously and how bad we are at communicating with each other across like our own languages and stuff that's why arrival was so good in my opinion yeah arrival was like can we make like 40 more movies like that just Mm. about linguistics that was written that's based on a short story oh that's brilliant yeah oh my gosh see the thing is is that i've been thinking about this oh one of the things i was gonna say about climate change is one of the easy things that they say we could do is just simply like farm better and like restore the topsoil and that would reduce the amount of atmosphere the amount of uh co2 by like three percent in the atmosphere which is a lot mm. and there's like a few things that we could do by like reforesting like replanting forests and um redoing the topsoil and stuff like that that would like actually reduce the totally organic ways to reduce the amount of co2 that's in the atmosphere there's no doubt in my mind that if we shifted infrastructure towards uh towards reversing the causes of climate change we could reverse climate change no it's actually like not a science it's not a fantasy they've been able to restore the ozone layer and stuff like that so it's like, Who the hell if we thought can they restore could do the fucking ozone layer, then I think we can do this. Or like the idea that LA is on the ocean and it goes through droughts. 
It's like, yeah. how do you not have a, like a ginormous filtration factory that just cranks out purified water from well, the Pacific have, Ocean? No, they don't. They don't have salinization there. I know. In LA. That's what I mean. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, okay. How okay. are you guys in a drought? You literally lo- are looking out of endless water. Well, that's because salinization is, takes a lot of energy. I know, that's but like, why. get it figured out. And, but it's like, well, how could you? The only way you could do it is with solar power energy. I mean, that's it. And you're in the sun, the one of the sunniest places on the planet. Yeah. Well, we can't do that because seventy-seven percent pure sunshine. Couple things. One thing that came out today was a study that the Guardian did, which indicated that um, something that like you know it proves that like whatever a huge percentage of the rising heat was caused by ninety companies, and they nailed they named them all. They're like you can trace all ga- the rise every single oil and ga- gas oil, companies. Yeah. yeah, you can chase the trace the rise in CO two the majority of it to these ninety companies. And the point of the article is to say we should sue the, these companies into oblivion, and they should have to pay for all the damages caused by all the hurricanes and weather events and everything that's caused by climate change. And then essentially, like you'd have to nationalize them because they'd be so broke. And, like, that that's a strategy to deal with climate change. Like, the, the oil and gas companies have to be nationalized so that they can be broken down and um, basically dismantled. And so you have to think of, like, okay, how can we nationalize them? Well, one way to do it would be to litigate them into oblivion, basically. And uh, so that's, like, a tactical, like, real um, tangible step that could be taken to reduce reduce the amount of co2 in the atmosphere or reduce the addition of co2 or to speed up the transition out of co2 mm-hmm. so just you know things like that you've got to change the energy energy grid so it's all renewable like how do we make sure that it's just renewable energy fun, funneling into the grid how do we increase efficiency so we're using less energy from the grid like all of that stuff um so, uh india is going to make every new car sold uh electric by 20 20 something 2025 or something Uh, we should do that here every single year in italy or in sorry in india every year five million people die from uh air pollution pollution. oh um one of the other things that's 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 more than the population of chicago i mean that is fucked up i mean it's a huge amount in the u.s too no it is it's like it's tens of thousands but but i mean yeah no and i you know it's obviously it's the same problem it's it's literally the same problem everywhere it's just india has a shitload of people it just has like a denser population but still my god it's like insane yeah sorry so i don't remember what i was gonna say but anyways this clearly goes to show that like in the terms of like the day to day of what's going on, like I'm just way more worried about climate change and would much rather sit around and chat about like things that are like beyond, like sort of like beyond Trump items. You know, that's kind of what I can't do. We are now nine months into this thing and I can't do the day to day. What's he doing? Briefing. How's he? Yeah. Yeah. Can't do it. That's what I was saying. Yeah, my mom's like, I feel like I'm foggier. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you have, she's got more stuff going on too. But it's like, yeah. it, you can't, it, to, between the news cycle, your full-time job, your social life, and whatever creative outlets that you have or like other aspirations, uh-huh. it's like, wh- how how is like, it's gonna everyone's going to have a, a fucking breakdown. Yeah. yeah, and like the, oh yeah, totally. And the thing is, is that, 
okay, that makes us like ripe for some sort of destabilization. So people have to be, people have to like strike that balance of like, I know enough to be able to mobilize when, when it's really important. And when, and so that means that like the people who are organizing and like building networks and building power for marginalized people, like they're working really hard and they have to strike a balance too. Um, but people, regular people who aren't organizers have to be ready to respond and like, uh, take action when those people who are organizers call on them to act like, so that's huge. But for all those people in all those different roles, yeah, being, yeah, taking care of yourself, um, not being over immersed in what's going on beyond when it's really critical, uh, is really important. And then also like a good way I think to deal with it is to like, you know, immerse yourself in local politics. Like we've talked about that a lot. Like Sean's it, doing with Sean, Amaya's yeah, campaign. That's huge yeah. to like just be involved because if over the next 18 months we're able to force a sea change in, in local politics, that will have like a huge impact. I mean, already Trump's like the agenda of the far right in government has been pretty stifled. It will just... It could be totally disruptive to the point of where they really, truly can't get anything done. I mean, they really, truly haven't gotten it a lot done. The horrible things that they've done are drop out of the Paris climate change, um, dis- de- um, censor all talk of climate change and all work that the federal bureaucracy is doing stu- to combat but it. But all, all the stuff that they've done are aesthetic, for sure. <laughs> Other than... Yeah, except for, I think... Well, the numbers or will come out. Out of principle or whatever. But. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, that's right. But then they also have, what they've done, though, that's really dangerous is they've um, stopped paying out on grants for climate change sci- scientists. So studies that people have been doing on climate change, they've, like, ceased paying out those grants, which means people are in the middle of these scientific studies and they can't, like, complete them if they've been funded by the federal government. And if they're being funded by the federal government, they're probably really important and really big studies. So that's horrific. It's kind of shitty that we can't just be like, can you guys go without salary for a couple years and we'll like back pay you? No, they, like, <laughs> they can't. Yeah, no, I know. They can't. And because w- because it takes more than just their salaries to keep it running. Oh my yeah, God, yeah. It's but... the cost. Of, yeah. But then the, and then the <sighs> other thing I think that's really tangible is horrible is all the stuff that Jeff Sessions is doing to like restart the war on drugs. And then the third thing that's really tangible is horror and horrible i mean there's lots more than this the immigration yeah so the raids like we don't have the numbers on the raids yet on the number of people who've been deported i forgot about the daca thing is horrific that will have a horrible effect on people who but you know if they um if democrats take over in 2018 they could um legislate daca so i don't know i don't know whatever i don't understand i don't understand the insistence on the border security and the net and like let immigration and it's like yeah. all those uh, it's like it's all based on like it's all first of all it's all rooted in racism I it think. is but like yeah. in general though it's like for that to be such a big point for their party is so like childish yeah. or like so mediocre i don't yeah. even know I, it's just so like what do you guys what is your problem? I just have to remind myself that it's really only like one in six or one in five people you meet on the street who actually really like care. Are the, 
that are that way. Yeah. And I guess one in five and one in six is a lot, but it's a really far cry from a majority. Yeah. And that it's just our system that's amplified their voices. So if we can invest ourselves in making structural changes, systemic changes, so that like the, um, that the, you know, voting electoral system isn't weighted in the favor of those, that 20% of people, like then where you've done our job. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know if we even like make, if we can even make sure that there's equity in the system. I don't know if that'll happen anytime soon, but we could sure shit make sure that like, you know, 80% goes back to meaning more than 20%. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I was talking to somebody recently about the, it's like, and I'm certainly not even close to the first person to say this, but there's something, there's a privilege of an every American, in my opinion, like Mm -hmm. every born American, no matter what race or gender, there's this idea that. You can go anywhere in the in the world, and like it'd be weird for them to be like, "You can't come here," as an American. Right. That's that's really odd. Like I can't even fathom it. And I I really think every American would be like a little miff to learn that they couldn't go to a country. Yeah, that no, country it's only like Iran, like North Korea. But like they, you could count them on two hands. Oh yeah, exactly. But like exactly, and and. But, like, it's too bad that that mentality doesn't... We don't look at it the same way with everyone else. Because, like, that's how I look at it. But, like, I think there's a lot of people who see themselves as being, like, able to go anywhere in the world. Oh, wait. A really good point about the current, like, imagery. That's a good point. And that's because our viewpoint on this is artificially constructed because we've assigned criminality to this whole group of people who are undocumented. But what people forget is two things happen. First, way back in the 80, uh, no, 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 the late 60s, uh, Strom Thurmond and another Republican senator uh, w- played a key part in reducing all the quotas for immigration from everyone all over the world. So we have these quotas on the number of visas that we give out, uh, you know, to, to every country has their own quota of how many visas yeah. we're going to give out to people from that country. So there was like this huge push in the sort of like the Nixon era to reduce the quotas that we give. So every time conservatives takes hold, of course they use nativism to amplify emp- empire. That's just how empire works. Like, mm-hmm. so you use, yeah, which is different than the racism, a little different than like black versus white racism is the like nativist versus immigrant racism. They just have sort of a different tonal quality, but, but like they're both rooted similarly yeah Yeah. in the same ideas of race and stuff like that but then the only difference is when you add in borders like you're sort of making a different statement about the nation state and about um the movement of people and about migration which i mean black people internally have faced with things like the great migration and trying you know the not to mention the fact that Barack Obama's place of birth was brought into question. Yeah, which right. Is all rooted in the same. Yeah, and all idea. immigration, like we we fixate and stereotype um, Hispanic people for when we think about undocumented people, but mm-hmm. uh, of course, there's people from all over the world who I are read, undocumented. Did you share something about? I read something recently or like today about uh, African. Uh, undocumented workers yeah, that feel like they're being ignored and like by in, the left in the debate yeah in favor of hispanic yeah because it's not really sure. intersectional Chicana. of course they're outnumbered and then it's not 
but there are still, you know, a million or I was thousands. actually thinking, I was actually thinking that, like, and obviously I'm not, like, downplaying their point because uh-huh. it's true. There's, there, but, like, um, the right is targeting Mexicans specifically. Yeah. With the wall, with literal deportation. Uh-huh. So I, I think that there is, like, when you do combat it, there is a level of being, like, they're being called out specifically, so it's really yeah. hard not to be, like, not to call them out specifically, too. Yeah. You know? But community to community, people have to pay attention to what... Because if you're in yeah. Minneapolis, it's Somalian people who get um, demonized. Yeah. And, like, if you're in New York and you're from Africa, well, you're facing the same anti-black racism that every African-American in New York is or in the inner city is facing. And a lot of... You know, immigrants from Africa who, you know, black immigrants end up in inner inner city black neighborhoods anyway. So they face the same discrimination, only the punishment is different if you're undocumented and you undocumented and you get stopped and frisked. Mm. Okay, so now you're at threat of deportation from that policy. So it is that you just have to be aware of the way that. The, all these differences intersect and all these issues to intersect. Mm-hmm. So for African undo- immigrants, anti-black racism intersects really heavily with like the problems of militarized borders and family sem- separation and deportation. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, you know, obviously black, any brown folks from, you know, who are Muslim or um, from, South America or Central America or Mexico, like they all face racism too. Mm-hmm. But like, um, the interesting thing is that around the world, there's huge in Europe. There's huge amounts of um, African immigration, and then anti-black, like anti-immigration racism in, in Europe is very heavily anti-Muslim and a- anti-African uh, and anti-black in that way because. There's huge amounts of, yeah, like I said, African immigrants who go to European cities. African immigrants, are they largely Muslim? Or like, my? I guess we should say migrants. Uh, No, because it's really, they're really, it's like a really diverse population of migrants. Some of them are, lots of them are Christian, lots of them are Muslim. Yeah, it's just like sort of a very like. I but know there's some ana- there's like a bunch of different sects of animism, but that was basically wiped out by colonialism. Yeah, no, it's either yeah. Also, um, but anyway, so wait, what were we just talking about before we got off on this? Uh, immigration and we were talking about Trump or something or DACA. We were talking about DACA. Yeah. Anyways, oh wait, I just, can't remember. Just uh, just immigration and uh. And the the right versus the left in terms of immigration yeah. and nativism and oh, I was talking about the Strom Thurmond thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they that was were two things that happened. So in the seventies, like the Nixon era, you have like they reduced the immigration quotas. Okay, and then the second mm. thing that happened was so that's a huge artificial thing, which artificially it's a man made crisis creates illegal immigration because you have a path for people to become citizens and then you erase that path. Well, that doesn't mean that people stop coming here. It means that you've just made them illegal now. And so we say that like, you know, you can't say like this is to deter them. No, it's you wiped out and removed that path to citizenship. So you've induced criminality. Right. And mm. so part of the thing is we say well, these people are criminals. They've done something wrong. They need to get in line for their green card. Well, there's no line like you can't get a green card. Uh, 
if you if we have these artificial limits on how many greed cards we give out. So that's the second thing. That, no, that's the first thing. And then the second thing that happened post that is in the 90s, of course, we do NAFTA. And that is free trade agreement rewrites the rules of global capitalism, which erased the ability for people in developing countries and places like Mexico to be able to ensure that uh, folks there have you know, their money's worth enough so that the people there, like, can get what they need and and uh, pay enough money. And it just induced a lot of poverty in different regions of Latin America and all over the, and in Africa and the Caribbean and all over the world, basically. That's what, you know, NAFTA did. And it locked a lot of countries into, like, spiraling debt cycles like Jamaica, where it's like they continually owe debt to first world countries and they can't ever get out of these so then they cause us then they enforce austerity policies where they have to make cuts to services and um so they can't provide for their own people and basically it creates this artificial law of supply and demand so folks that leave their country are leaving because of global economic policies that US corporations authored and then enforced around the world so our economic corporate like global corporatism that is a regime that like the whole globe is living under that the u.s propagated promulgated like in the 90s and has enforced continually over the last 20 years the migration that goes on where people feel so desperate that like they can't provide for their families where they are happens because of policies that we wrote and authored to increase the returns for american corporations around the world and so then those people come here. You reap what you sow. And then so they're, then they're coming to a country that, you know, a decade and a half earlier had reduced its immigration policies for the same, you know, like for nativist reasons, the same ones that we're experiencing now. Okay, so illegal immigration then, like the 11 million people that are undocumented, that's an artificial problem that we created. These people are not criminals. They're, and like... The dreamers are not, like, there's like this debate with DACA where it's like, oh, well, you know, the dreamers are innocent. Their parents brought them here. It's not their fault. So they should uh, be able to have a path to citizenship or the right to work and stay here. Well, their parents aren't criminals either. Their parents are just people, mm -hmm. you know, who their parents are not, shouldn't be painted as criminals. And like, we shouldn't engage in like, ex in exceptionalism where we're like well if you serve in the military you're going to college or you're working like you deserve to be here people deserve to if people feel that they need to leave their homeland to go somewhere else the people receiving them should do so with open arms who's receiving i like I'm, i don't even well, know the why communities we have to... that receive them people shouldn't face threat okay if they yeah. feel like they shouldn't face but, an but don't even receive them just just let them be be where they are yeah right. what, like, why are you like why deal? are you why are you getting involved anyway well that's the you thing. can get involved in a positive sense but why are you negatively like putting your fingers into i don't even know where to, because where... that's how we enforce the idea of the nation state which is like a false idea that's why. Well, that's how we say, well, this is America. And if you're born here, you're from America. But what we really say is if you're white, male, heterosexual, you're American, you're born here, you're American. And then we start to bring that category down. Well, you're not really American if you're this and you can't have all the rights if you're this. And the key way we do it is, but, is where we say like, well, if you've crossed the border to come here, 
you're you're not an American. Mm. And we're constantly engaged in this act of defining what it is to be a citizen of a particular nation state. And a huge way you do that is by assigning criminal intent and criminality and like demonizing people who cross borders. Which isn't fair, especially when they're especially when they're Hispanic, especially when they live in northern Mexico, because you know, all of Arizona and the Southwest used to be Mexico. And so when we annexed that part of Mexico, all those people there lost their homeland and became American and maybe didn't really want to. And now their descendants get treated like shit because they're like Latino or they hold on to some like sort of they they're, well, they're Chicano and they hold on to some like of their Mexican heritage and and uh, they suffer all this racism as a resort when really it's like. Dude, they were there first, and then the country came second. Like, that's not fair at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and like, especially people that who live in the border region where it's like, they're crossing this artificial border to go to work. When it's like 100 years ago, they were just like crossing the street to go to work. Like, whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's all just, it's just artificial, like, nation making is what it's all about. And then, of course, the nation state serves capitalism because it cars out these regions where you can like enforce la- certain labor protections here and enforce the primacy of corporations here and enforce enforce mostly enforce the taking and using of re- resources the privatizing of resources and the privatizing of property so that's why you have a nation state is to enforce capitalism enforce the laws of private property and then all the Ill- illegal immigration uh nativism like uh, stems from that like all nationalism stems from like the capitalist project it's too bad that they don't they don't think that the free market would solve immigration because <laughs> it kind of already does a little yeah, bit like you're, you're already dictated you come to this country you're dictated by capitalism and yeah. our marketplace there's no like you're going like, where the jobs are they're coming yeah. here because because uh, there's a need that needs to be met. Like there's, there's a demand for labor. They like suck off the system. They yeah, like that's take advantage just of the bullshit. system. My grandma said that. I'm like, grandma, one of the ways that they're defined is undocumented. Do you think you can go into a fucking the like any place where you get a check without documentation and just start getting a check? What do you not get about the whole concept of like documentation citizenship like i couldn't even fathom being uh a, a, like an, a mexican immigrant trying to take care of a family in like rural arizona how do you even fucking function i don't know if actually i don't know sometimes i think undocumented folks can get ssi or sdi like if they have i don't know if they have, a, maybe if they have a fake social security number. There's a way Sometimes where Sometimes you can get food stamps and stuff. You can be related to some a citizen. And oh. then that citizen can, can claim people as dependents that aren't legal. But Literally, you I don't fucking that? care, though. I want to oh. be very clear that I think we should just give money to whoever is fucking here. Like, those people should all get a check. I think, I think Mark Zuckerberg's salary should be capped at 100K. Like, I, I want to be yeah. very clear. And he doesn't, and here's the thing about Zuckerberg, he doesn't give a shit, he wears the same hoodie every day, like, why should he get billions of dollars? He shouldn't, he doesn't even really want them, neither does Bill Gates, they don't do anything to their bodies or their selves. I think that they do want Oh, it. they do really care. Yeah. But they just, like, keep it somewhere. Like, I'm just, a, I'm just like a, you know, a, a, a harmless nerd. Like yeah. that faux liberalism, progressivism of, like, the tech people. 
Yeah, we've talked a lot about yeah. that. Corruption. And by the way, Mark Zuckerberg, you've planned your outfit out for the, your entire life. So don't tell me you haven't thought more. Like, I think less <laughs> than you think about your outfit. I grab whatever t-shirts on the drawer. I put jeans on. I walk out. You have that shit planned out until you die. You care a lot about what you wear. And you yeah. love money. Yeah, just Fucking... because you choose, uh, like, intently to wear something so lame, that doesn't mean you don't care. That means you yeah. care more than I don't anyone. Even think, yeah, I don't even think about it, except I planned I, it I out. I thought about it this much, <laughs> I that I got a out. robot to fire my shirt at me in the morning. <laughs> no, you've thought about it more than anyone. Hello, literally. Mrs. Zuckerberg. Can I put on your outfit today? Oh, my God. It's a nuts. See, we've kept with the theme of the show. We started the show by bashing billionaires. We're going to end the show by bashing billionaires. Yes. And, and hey, I, I do want to say, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of people, I think you should try and start your own. I'd listen to it oh, every yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just say this. Uh, like, you know, the reason we're kind of wrapping this up is because Mike's moving to L.A. He's going to try to break into TV writing, which I have no doubt you'll Movie be successful. Writing, well, you might have to go TV because that's how the market that's fine. is. That's fine. Okay. okay. Just, I'm telling you now. I appreciate that. Whatever. I love it. It's totally fine. You could be great. A lot of miniseries are happening. That's close enough to what a movie is. <laughs> I don't actually care. I just... Quick, quick tangent. Did you see that article about how Hollywood studios are blaming Rotten Tomatoes for how bad like movies are doing now? Because the... Make good movies. That's what I said. Make a fucking good movie for the love yeah. of God. Make a Forrest Gump. You know what else Rotten Tomatoes is doing? It's making indie movies that people would have otherwise never seen. Like, uh, people go see them. Caught, yeah. Yeah, like Baby Driver and stuff. Dude. Or indie movies that don't even go to theaters. Or like Girls Trip. Like, yeah, these people are just pissed because, like, some of their blockbusters they spent, like, $125 million on, like, you know, Bomb at the Box $100 million dollars on, what's it called? The um, Camelot movie. Yeah, well, if you went to see, like, James and the Giant Killer or whatever yeah. the fuck, then go kill yourself, seriously. Well, the thing is, is that I've been to see, like, two Marvel movies. I went and saw Wonder Woman, and I saw the new, like, the fifth new Spider-Man, which is, like, stop making Spider-Man movies. But that movie was good. I and Wonder Woman was tolerable, but every movie is literally, like, having a lollipop. And like, but it's the same flavor that you've had over and over again. It's like these movies are disgusting. They're awful. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to see one overwrought, like insane, bombastic, like comic book movie over and over and over again. Like, like. Who writes the movies that are like, um, that are the old school fantasy crappy movies that are like, uh, like Clash Labyrinth? of the Titans? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, who writes this like like old Shakespearean language, Dude, but it's like trash. It's gonna be you. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point because I'd be like, "Yes, yeah, sir, yeah, please." Of course you would. What do you yeah. mean? Without even a, a fucking million gajillion creative yeah. writing students. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just but like, like. But I got to imagine someone like wrote it in the yeah. hopes they'd sell it, and then they sold it. It's like yeah. who the fuck. I think sometimes like producers and Hollywood studio people like conceptualize these things and then they contract a writer to do it. Like I think no, that's a lot I, of it. I agree. I agree. But whatever. Anyway. Like the point is who cares? Like you know make good movies and people will go I'll go to the theater but I won't go to the theater to see like the fifth Avengers movie. What's like even, I don't care. What's even shittier about that idea with like Rotten Tomatoes is ruining like is affecting it's like us you have negatively. No it's sense like, of personal it's responsibility. Not even, it's not even a big jump of a website. 
It's yeah. like all they do is take every major critic and aggregate their reviews. So the and good give thing you about the this, it was a Washington Post article, and the great thing was they go to the Rotten Tomatoes office and like interview all the people who work there, and there's only like 16 people who work there. That doesn't surprise. <laughs> and me. they're like, these movie studios all think that you guys are destroying Hollywood, and they're like, uh, we're just nerds who like just work at this tech website, and that like there's only like a couple dozen of us who work here. And they're all just like goofy people. And all they do is just aggregate. All they do is just aggregate what the critics have said. They have like high standards too for if you get included. Like it's 100,000 unique visitors a month, I think. Yeah. And, and if your critic gets included, they have to have written 100 individual reviews over two calendar years. At the same publication. So you have to be writing one a week at the same publication for two years consistently before they'll include you. Yeah. So, dude, that's a huge commitment. No, like, yeah. we didn't even do this podcast once a week for two years. Like, so that's a big deal. Like, if you're doing that, you're a critic. Like, you're, you've are you chosen to do that as your profession, if it's your hobby or whatever. Like, no, yeah, you know? for sure. And so, they... Um, and they also they take everything the critics are saying and give you a critic consensus if it's mm-hmm. like a big deal. I love yeah. those, dude. No, like, like the one despite sentence. Despite this, this happened, they, and I'm like, yes. They interviewed that guy, and he's like a copywriter he's who probably, writes the one sentence. He's probably the best. Ah, oh, that's that's a. And he just job. comes into work every day, and he just like reads the reviews, and he writes like one sentence. Yeah, that guy's yeah. the best guy. Yeah. He's like the best writer yeah, ever. No, he's amazing. I didn't know it was <laughs> one an, person. He's an incredible writer. I just, I, you know what? I they're so good that I assume that every day they have like a full company meeting about whether yeah. this is accurate or not. Like that's how like oh, spot I'm sure. on. Sure, and it's just yeah. like a few people, and they just—they're literally just people who go into their nine to five every day. Like they're not out to destroy Hollywood. <laughs> they're not out to like make millions of destroying it's, movies. It was, but that's oh, my and whole they point. all love movies. That's the point that the of article course. was. It's all these people who work here—they love movies. Like it's not their fault. Like what I mean, it's almost a Coen Brothers movie. Like the thing about the Hollywood studio system hating these people. That's my. It's that's, just so absurd. That's the whole. That's. That's that's also my point. That's when I when I'm saying like it's not it wasn't a big jump. Like yeah. like to be like you know what they should do they should make a website where they take all the major critics and like and every single one of the critics rate their movie and then you just give like the overall average of all the critics and you'd be like that doesn't exist already that's so like yeah stupid. of course it does yeah and yeah. it's like that like how could you say of oh, that Rotten Tomatoes was gonna exist. The reason what they're the point they're making is is that Fandango has included the Rotten Tomatoes rating by every so people. I <laughs> so think, there's like I, a green splatter with like a two percent. Where Jermaine wanted me to go see. Oh my God! What did he want us to see? And he wanted us to see Rough Night, and it got horrible reviews. And I was like, Dude, no, I can't see this. Like, I'm seeing what the review rating is. Like, I know exactly what type of movie this is. Like, I'm not gonna waste my money. And then we were going to go see something else and we didn't go see it. And it was because I saw the rating and I was like, I can't do this. But I don't want to go to the theater and waste my money yeah. on a shitty Hollywood movie. That's another thing. The, dude, tickets aren't cheap. No, they're not. That's the point. Like, if I'm going to go blow 50 bucks, like, I'm not going to do it on a movie that I, like, am going to hate. That you only can see one time, too, by Yeah. The way. Right. It's not like you get, like, a digital download code when you go to the fucking theater. That's a great idea. Yeah. What if they did that? I've thought of it. But... Well, it would. Well, I, I mean, to? the pirating's already happening, anyways. One problem with that would be like, 
and like you pay more or less depending on where you go see it and what the tech the screen technology yeah. is and things like that so it'd be kind of difficult to like because you get the you could go to like logan and pay six bucks or go to amc and see it in like imax 3d you know, and pay it like would 20 be bucks easy it would be easy to do that if the studios owned the multiplexes but because a different company owns the multiplexes that's why that'll never happen yeah. So maybe studios just need to open their own multiplex, like open their own theaters or something, or just have in or work with independent theaters and kill the multiplexes. Studios don't even, but studios don't even distribute. Like there's they distri- don't even distribute distribution yeah. studios. So there's like three tiers to seeing a movie. Exactly. So it's it's just I think it's just like a convoluted, and they're all making money from the system. Yeah. So they're never gonna try. And so it it's up. really what it is is like a convoluted, like bloated industry. That like has these different tiers that it doesn't need anywhere because it's been disrupted by new technology. Plus, yeah, this is exactly. The story of capitalism, people. Exactly. Adapt or die, dude. And also, Miramax and like MGM and all those studios are, are would probably be like, I'm not opening up a fucking theater. That is a terrible investment because it's yeah. probably the worst time ever to fucking open up a so movie theater. So now they wouldn't do it. Yeah, they're like fuck that. That's like yeah, the dumbest no thing because we're going to like it's all going to become digital soon and we're going to keep making movies and TV shows and you guys are all going to keep watching it and paying for well, it. What if like AMC theaters like started making a movies? studio? I don't know. Like that's the type of thing I'm talking that's about. That's a good question. I don't know. I Or what if yo Here's probably what would happen. Because they're like okay, McDonald's. I'm throwing this they're out McDonald's. there. McDonald's. I'm they're throwing not... this out, Netflix. I'm throwing this out for you, Jeff Bezos. Like, easy one for the win. Like, I just netted you. Open your own movie theaters. Done. Done. I don't Netflix think... opens its own movie theaters. The studio system in Hollywood is dead. I mean, like, but they that... have the money to do it. But that's their, But that's what they're competing. Like, they would just, they're like trying to make you never go to the theater again your own movie theaters they would go they would own they would monopolize the entire like fictional visual like tv to movie like entire industry would be like unified they should just buy out amc because their logos and color schemes are basically well uh, let me put it this way like netflix spent a hundred million dollars on that horrible crown show (laughs) like they clearly have money to play with yeah i thought you liked that show Dude, I did try to watch it, but then I really couldn't. I did. I did actually give it a good go. Why? Because I'm all about, like, English television shows that are, like... Yeah, who's not? But I need to go, like, for me to buy in, it's got to be, like, I guess pre-19th century or something. Because watching them tell this show about, like, the bravery of, like, Elizabeth II trying to learn about geopolitics but she never did because she was just a little princess like made me want to shoot myself and they had a lot of things that were absurdly like not not conscious like colonialist things where they were traveling on a safari and then they were in africa and prince philip's like laughing at the guy in the headdress but it wasn't like winking it wasn't ironic where the audience got to see him as the villain for doing that it was like everyone was supposed to wink along with it and i was like dude this is really fucked up like i don't need to watch the show that the in the end the show truly like in a way that was unself-aware or un like unironic like really like on a literal level embraced and like celebrated English royalty, which I thought was just so like, I could not stomach that. 
Like, it was just so opulent that you were like, dude, no one has any business watching Who this. Said, someone said that that's the secret to to the, to the getting Trump to get out of the way. Just let him be king, a powerless king. Yeah, seriously. And then be like, okay, but we're, we're going to do a prime minister. Like, Yeah. <laughs> like, just I let mean, him be king of, of America. Of course that's the way out of this. Yeah, and it makes, I can't, who the fuck, I think it was John Oliver, but it was like, the queen's only job is to be as English as humanly possible. Exactly. And that's it. And yeah. Trump is about as American as it can fucking get right. at every level. Yeah. Dude, it's like every I'm gross thing about America. I mean, just let him do it. I want to say no because I, I don't want him – because I believe that symbols have power. No. For, and you know what I mean? But he already has but power. I mean, he's he, already a symbol. I'm like, exactly. And he's, a pres- he's the he president. He already is. <laughs> like, just take power. away his ability to press the nuclear code buttons. Yeah. Like, just stop that. I think it was presented as more like, okay, now that he's won, let's make yeah. him king. <laughs> Like, if he lost, we wouldn't have to worry about it. The stories are great, though. The story about the Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi thing was just fantastic. Listen to the daily, the the today's day, the Friday daily. Daily show? uh, No, uh, the daily, the podcast for the New York Times. Oh, okay, I will, I will. It's, uh, he, they, one of the New York Times guys goes and interviews Schumer about it. Oh, I got, okay. And he's like, we're two New York guys, and we, it's great. Okay, I have to listen to that. Okay, I will. Anyways, yeah, we're going to wrap up, but I just did want to say that I am planning on doing something podcast-wise. I just haven't quite worked it out yet. I'm wrapping this up, but I wanted to thank everyone for listening in. Like, this is like an idea that I had. I was kind of wrapping up my last semester of grad school, and I just thought, like, I've got so many things spinning in my head and I really want to talk about what's going on like with Trump and everything and you Mike's been just like the greatest co-host and great companion for chatting about this. I feel like we've gotten a lot closer. Yeah, I do too. I mean, we're practically bro and sis. Yeah, agreed. Oh my god, that's so emotional. No, I I'm uh I had a great time too and I'm super thankful for the experience. Yeah. I'm also doing um my podcast Fingers on the Button. Uh, oh, yeah. which you oh guys should do. Well, uh, next this Monday I'm releasing the first four episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And that and it's like series zero and then season one will come out early twenty eighteen. But definitely yeah. like like the page and whatever. Okay, whatever. fingers on the button. Everyone mm-hmm. look out for that. Okay, super cool. All Thank right. you guys, Eat the Rich listeners, for following and uh yeah. you'll see us around. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Yep. Peace out. Hang loose. Hang.